Colossians 2, verse 6. Welcome back to Bible time. Get your Bibles out. Get them open. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the most wonderful book in the whole world. It says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I hope that you will let the Word of God do that in your heart today. God is willing to save you. He's willing to sanctify you. He's willing to help you in every way to follow him and to obey his commandments if you are willing to let him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Colossians 2.6 now. If you're there in your Bible, we'll read it together. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, this verse is coming in Colossians chapter 2 after Paul's exhortation where he says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So he says that though I be absent in the flesh, in verse 5, yet am I with you in the spirit, join in beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And then he goes on, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And throughout this whole chapter, the warnings from Paul are to keep you from being spoiled, to keep you from being beguiled, to keep you from being tricked, to keep you from being fooled by the devil. We've looked at several of those things um, recently. Um, last time, yesterday, we looked at the beguilement of the Christian and alcohol and how Christians have been beguiled by alcohol and have allowed a verse, verse 18 of Colossians 2, that was given by God to teach us that we do not have to be under the Mosaic law and that has been twisted to allow Christians to drink alcohol, which was never even allowed or for, never forbidden by the Old Testament law in a general sense. And yet people have twisted that verse and have rested, it, rested the scriptures to their own destruction. Now the book of Colossians here began with a lot of scripture about Jesus Christ, exalting Jesus Christ, verse 14 of chapter 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And if your Bible doesn't say that the redemption is through his blood there in first, verse 14 of Colossians, you got the wrong Bible. That's why we use a King James Bible because it is an accurate, the only accurate translation of the Word of God in English. It is the Word of God, perfect and inspired and infallible. And you can trust it, and you don't have to go back to the Hebrew and Greek. If you have a King James Bible, you've got the Word of God. All the rest of them, I wouldn't give you a nickel for them. And I'm just grateful to God that we've got the King James Bible. Now, Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. This is possibly the greatest key verse to the, that speaks to the victorious Christian life in the whole Bible. There are many verses that talk about it. There are many powerful verses. But to say it this succinctly and this simply is, is just nowhere else in the Bible that it is put this, this well in, a, in the sense of succinctness. And just making, this is basically an axiom, a self-evident truth almost, except that to us in our darkened minds, it's not that self-evident. As simple as this is, it's incredibly profound. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Oh, is that all? 
Yes, that's all. That's all it is. That's all the Christian life is. That's all there is to sanctification. That's all there is to holiness. That's all there is to the whole thing. You want the whole Christian experience, the whole thing the Bible promises? Here it is in one little verse. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Let's go to John chapter 1 where it talks about receiving Christ. Now, if you don't understand what it means to receive Christ, you're not going to understand what it means to walk in Christ. And, and so, understandably, Satan has launched a huge attack on what it means to receive Christ. Churches all over America talk about receiving Christ, but very few churches talk about what the Bible talks about whenever the Bible says receive Christ. Another place in the Bible that talks about receiving the word is the parable of the sower. And if you want to really get a handle on true and false conversion and on the reality of eternal salvation and on what it, why some people seem, seem to lose their salvation and why some people say, I believe in God and they fall away and what God really thinks about that, whether or not they're truly saved, go to Matthew 13 and the other corresponding passages on the parable of the sower and study it out. Maybe someday we'll do a study on the parable of the sower. Here in Bible time. But right now we're in Colossians 2 6. So we've gone to John chapter 1 and verse 12 and 13. Here God is introducing Jesus Christ in one of the most powerful evangelistic gospels of the four. They're all four powerful, they're all four evangelistic, but the gospel of John is pointed directly to the lost to teach you how to know Jesus Christ. That's even the stated purpose of the book. Now, it says here, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is in contrast to verse 11, where he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, if you don't know who the he is, you need to go back and study and read John 1. We're not going to get deep into that right now. But we do need to just touch it. The Bible says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is that Word. If you look where we just read in verse 13, um, you go to the next verse, 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now this, this Jesus Christ, God, who was in the beginning with God and yet was God, the part of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, these three are one according to 1 John 5. Again, check your Bible. If it throws doubt on that verse or cuts it out of your Bible, you haven't got a real Bible. You've got a Bible that's been tampered with. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now, these that received him, those in verse 11, his own, the Jews, did not receive him. But then, as many as received him, in verse 12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, if you look at that, it gives us how they received him. It says, even to them that believe on his name. Now, salvation is by grace through faith. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Over and over and over again, the apostles, pre the apostles preached, believe, 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 believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times they would include other instructions with believe, but always they said believe. When they told them to repent, they taught them to believe. When they told them to get baptized, it was because they had believed. When they told them to follow Jesus, it was coupled with believing. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is the key, the only key, the full key to salvation. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says thou shalt be saved. Now, what does it mean to be saved? To be saved is to be born again. According to this, the Bible says in verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus in John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus, told him, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we're not studying that passage out right now. But if you study that out, it's absolutely clear in the context that Jesus is talking about a spiritual rebirth. And if you look at it closely... God will bless, bless you. we got to look at just a little bit of that here. Um, it's ne I believe the Lord would have us do it. Nicodemus said unto him, John 3, 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, a bunch of theologians are going to mess with your mind here and get you all tangled up, but again, you can understand the Bible if you compare a Bible verse to a Bible verse. You just look at what the Bible says. The Bible tells you what the Bible means. And if you look here, the verse before 5 and 4, he says, Can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born. And if you look at all at the life of Jesus, he always spoke to people from where they were at. He didn't come from this high ecclesiastical setting. He didn't come with some big tall hat and some curly robe and some orb of power sitting on his lap, sitting on a throne, making people kiss his rings like some guy does over in Rome, pretending like he's the so-called vicar of Christ. That man doesn't know anything about Christ. Christ Jesus came lowly. He came as a servant. He came humble. And he came to us where we were at. He came as the son of a carpenter in appearance, even though he was the son of God. He made himself the form of a servant. And he talked to people on a level that they were at. He came to them where they were. Nicodemus asked the question, Can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and what do we call it whenever a woman's getting ready to have a child? And all of a sudden, the amniotic fluid issues forth. We say her water broke. To this day we say it. It's been a common saying. And everyone has, for thousands of years, has considered it to be water in the womb. And by the way, though it's amniotic fluid, it's made up primarily as its base of water, just like you are and I are. So here the water broke. In the womb, the baby was born. Nicodemus had asked about the mother's womb. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in case you think I've gone off the deep end, look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So there he gives us on both sides of the verse, he gives us a reason to have perfectly clear understanding of what the born of water means. 
In the first four, he speaks of a mother's womb. Nicodemus did. In verse six, Jesus says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you were born of your mama in the hospital or at home or however you, wherever you were born at, you were born of the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. This spiritual birth comes with evidence, Jesus said. Just like you can't see the wind, but you can see it bend the tree. You cannot see the Spirit, but you can see the Spirit change the man. And if there is no change towards God, no change of obedience, no change of a desire to follow God, then the Spirit of God is not the Spirit that that man received. No matter how many spirits or what spirit he thinks he got, it wasn't God. Now Jesus went down, Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus went down and immediately addressed believing. Look at verse 12. He said, if, if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Again, an absolute impossibility for a man to say that and be telling the truth if he was only a man. He came down from heaven, but he is in heaven at the same time. The verse before that, Jesus said, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Now who on earth would be the we? The disciples hadn't been to heaven. The disciples hadn't come down from heaven. Nicodemus hadn't been to heaven, and he didn't understand anything that was going on. The only thing that you've got left here for that we, according to Scripture, unless you're going to go off on some kind of scholarly trip out into la-la land, if you're going to stay with the Bible and believe what the Bible says, the only we you've got is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Jesus was preaching to Nicodemus. Nicodemus wasn't believing. So Jesus said to him, um, he said here, and, Mo, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And there Jesus Christ forever set the qualification for eternal life upon belief. Not on baptism, not on church membership, not on performance, not on how you live your life, not on enduring to the end. He said it on believing in Him that came, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here in the first chapter, if we go back to John 1, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He says... To his, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What is biblical belief? Romans 10 speaks of it. Romans 10, turn now quickly. Romans chapter 10. And I encourage you, even if you're listening to our podcast, to get your King James Bible out. Buy one if you don't have one. They're not very expensive. You can get a cheap King James Bible for 10 or $12. Get it out. Get a piece of paper and a pencil. Take notes. Read along. And try and grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. And you will. 
if you seek him, you'll find him. So Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this biblical belief, a true biblical belief, results in a true biblical change. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now we'll look at that real quickly. What does it mean to be a son of God? What does it mean to become a son of God? Before we go there, let's go over to Hebrews 11 real quick. Hebrews 11, fast. Hebrews 11, before we move on. Hebrews 11 says, um, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the, the evidence of things not seen. Seen. And verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And it goes on and speaks much of faith. The Bible's full of faith. Faith means trusting the veracity of the one speaking. That's the definition of faith in an old Webster's Dictionary. So trusting the veracity, taking a man at his word, is faith. God just wants you to believe his word. Now people say, I believe God, but they don't believe his word. I had a man just tell me that a week and a half or two weeks ago. He stood over here and he said, I believe God, but I don't believe he wrote that book. Well, sir, if you don't believe God wrote the book that he said he wrote, then you don't believe God. If you say you believe God, but you don't believe the book, you don't believe God. And that's what God says, whether you believe it or not. So you can go to your grave saying, I believe God. But if you don't believe the book, if you don't believe the way the Bible says to believe, you don't believe him God's way. And God's going to judge you and find you a liar and cast you in the lake of the fire. The Bible says all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Now we're saved by faith and belief. And our verse is Colossians 2.6, as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We're sanctified by believing God and faith. Not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God for salvation. Not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of men, but of God for sanctification. You can't will it, you can't conjure it up, you can't fight for it. You can't fast it in. You can't get enough people to lay hands on you and pray over you to get filled with the Spirit to really get it. You've got to get it from God. But of God, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Now, when we believe God, when you believe God, biblically, you believe all of God's revealed truth as far as you possibly can. And as God shows you more, you believe that too, and you change. The Word of God tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our sins have separated us from God. And part of believing God is believing His judgment against you and turning in repentance. The repentance is not a work of salvation. The repentance is a work of faith that comes from believing God's judgment of your sin. 
and believing your position before God as a hell-bound sinner and then turning from that is an outflow of the belief. And the word repentance deals with the outflow, deals with the follow-up of believing God's judgments. Believing unto salvation means believing that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. He died for your sins. He was buried and he was rose again. He rose again from the grave. He wasn't was rose. He is rose from the grave. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's still alive today. And to turn from your sin, to repent from your sin, to and then believe what Christ did is sufficient to pay for your sins. And at that point, when that happens from the heart, then, then just like Romans 10 says, the confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. And just like repentance is the proof of believing God in his judgment of your sin, Confession of Christ is your Lord is the proof that you have truly believed in your heart the Lord Jesus. Now, all right, so let's go to the next scriptures. I'm getting ahead of myself again. So when you believe God to be saved, sanctification works the same way. You say, what is sanctification? Jesus Christ said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, in Matthew 5, 48. Peter said, be ye holy as I am holy, quoting the Old Testament from Deuteronomy. Now, we're called to be holy. We're told that the Spirit of God uh, works true righteousness and true holiness in the Word of God. Sanctification is is being set apart by God, separated from the world, from sin, from the flesh, and thereby ready to be fit by the Spirit of God, unctionized and given that unction, that utterance of the Word of God so that you can be His witness. Sanctification is a, is a cleansing and separating of the flesh and the world from, from you so that you can serve God in righteousness and holiness. This is not a one-time deal. This is something that the Colossians says, As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. This implies, the walking implies, a daily, moment by moment, return to God for the power of His Holy Spirit to live a holy life. As a, to become a Christian, you repent of your sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you in that belief, you are turn, your belief to him brings you to a reception of Christ, a receiving, a taking in, an accepting of what Christ did for you that leads to open confession of Christ. So that's the salvation. And what about sanctification? When in sanctification, what's the first step? The first step to sanctification is not getting some guy to lay hands on you or some lady. It's not to get you to say a bunch of gibberish. I'm sorry, it's just not in the Bible. It's you don't you show me in the Bible where the Bible directly links sanctification with babbling. You show me. And I'll show you the context and you'll find out real fast that it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. It's not there. Now, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, get saved. The next part of your daily life with Christ is as God reveals sin to you, as he shows you from the word of God, which you will desire. According to the scripture, if you're saved, you will desire and love God's word. And as you're reading it, 
as you're heeding it and God reveals sin to you, you instantly, that's ideal, doesn't always work that way, but instantly repent of your sin before God and say, God, I have sinned. I'm guilty. This is wrong. I know you don't want me to do it. And I am going to follow you. And then you believe God that he will give you power to be to act like the son that he made you become. And that he will empower you and deliver you from that sin. And you by faith believe God for the power to live a holy life. And you take the next step following Jesus by receiving the power to be holy. God, I'm not going to do that anymore. We talked about drink yesterday. God, I'm not going to indulge in alcohol today. I'm not going to let men judge my sweet tea. I'm not going to let men judge my soda pop. I'm not going to let men judge my nasty old herbal tea. Whatever it is that floats your boat, but he's not, but there. Whenever it's alcohol and God's shown you that the use of alcohol through scripture for recreational use is a sinful act. It's an abuse of God's creation for to feed the flesh. And not only is it sinful in that way, but it leads to horrible sins. And you say, God, I've been drinking this stuff and I need to get rid of this stuff, but it's got a hold on me. But I understand it's wicked. And I need to get rid of it. And you repent of it. And you believe God for the power to turn from it. And you dump the stuff out. And you don't go back to it by the power of God. And then it's not you being holy. It's God being holy in you. And you have nothing to brag about. Nothing to boast about. You're not going to walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Bless God I used to do this. But I don't know more. You're going to walk humbly before your God because you understand what a sinner you are and how desperately you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as God does that day by day, moment by moment, as ye have received Christ Jesus your Lord, so walk ye in Him. Then He changes you from glory to glory. He changes you little by little, here a little, there a little, more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And he fits you more and more for his service. He brightens your light. He increases the, the power and the, of the spirit working through you into the lives of others to turn them from sin and Satan and the flesh and to bring them into the fold of salvation. Go to Galatians. This is where we were trying to get earlier. We're going to go there quick. It is amazing how time flies when you get into the Bible. This book is a good book. The only book like it in the whole world. God help us today just to mind it. Galatians chapter 1. Let's, we've got to fly here. <clears throat> we've got to fly. We're just going to look at some verses here. See, the Galatians had a problem. The Galatians had been beguiled in the manner that Paul was warning about in Colossians chapter 2, in one of the manners. You see, in Colossians 2, people don't like to generally go to Colossians that often. A lot of times they'll go from Liberty verses to Galatians because Galatians were being brought under the bondage of the Old Testament law. Paul was warning the Colossian church from both law and license. And that's why Galatians is generally a lot more popular than Colossians because America has a lot more problem with license than it does with law. 
Now, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Turn to 2, 16. Quick, quick, quick. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, we could read this whole thing. He goes down here, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Excuse me. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So there it is again, as ye receive the Lord, so walk ye in him. He's living by the faith of the Son of God, who loved him and gave himself for him. Go on to 3, chapter 3, verse 2. And he says, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, some people out there are going to tell you you need to be filled with the Spirit. And that's a true statement. But then they're going to go on and they're going to explain what they mean by that. And what they mean is the works of man. And they're going to say, You've got to speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to have hands laid on you to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, some of them are going to say, you need to wail and cry before God on your face, morning to noon, every day, until you're filled with the Spirit. Others are going to say, you need to fast 70 days. I'm not kidding. I heard that. This lady said she, was, she wanted that extra blessing, and so she fasted 70 days and nights. And all of a sudden, she got it. And she lost all consciousness of what she was doing and went around and danced like a wild maniac in a tent meeting. Hmm. A true story. True testimony that I read. What that now I'm not saying everything she said was true. I'm saying it's a true story that she said it. I don't endorse what she said. I'm just telling you what she said. Now, people are going to tell you you need to be filled with the Spirit, and you do. When a man gets saved and born again, Bible saved, he's indwelt with the Spirit of God at the point of salvation, that is salvation. You cannot get saved unless you get the Spirit of God in you. There is no way you can be saved apart from the Spirit of God moving in, indwelling you, and building and creating a new creature, created in true righteousness and true holiness in your spirit. That is Bible salvation. But the Spirit of God being in you doesn't mean that He's flowing through you to the world. And there's a process of sanctification that God preaches about throughout the Word of God. That's what we're talking about today. As you have received Christ Jesus your Lord, so walk ye in Him. You need to be indwelt by salvation in Jesus Christ. You need to be filled with the Spirit by yielding to the Lord and believing and asking him for the spirit. Believe, repent, believe, ask, receive is the old, old thing many, people, many soul winners have used for many years talking to lost people. I know that's been abused and we've dropped repent from it. Now we've just got believe, ask, receive. But be, repent, believe, ask, receive is how you get saved and it's how you get sanctified. Get filled with the Holy Spirit the same way that you get saved. You repent of all known sin. 
everything God has shown you. You believe you believe God that he wants to fill you with his spirit, that it is his will to fill you with his spirit. You ask him to fill you with his spirit. And by faith, you receive what God alone can give you, what no man can give you, what no church can give you, what God alone can give you. And that's the fullness of his spirit. And then when God fills you with his spirit and you are speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and you get full of God's word from daily immersion in the word of God, then all of a sudden the word of God just starts to bubble out of places. It starts coming out at work. It starts coming out at the gas station. It starts coming out at church. (gasps) At church? The Bible? People talk about the Bible at church? In a real church they do. And the Bible starts just bubbling out all over the place. And next thing you know, the Holy Spirit of God is flowing through you. And he's unctionizing the word and giving it power and life. So that the people that you speak to and come into contact with are ministered to by the Spirit of God that worketh in you mightily. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. And then where is boasting? It is excluded. There's no boasting. It's all of God. Salvation is of God. Sanctification is of God. And soul winning is of God. It all comes from God. And it all is for God's glory and it's not for man's glory. No flesh can glory in his presence. Hallelujah. So, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? He asks them, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? In verse 5, he says, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did those apostles do those miracles? They did anyway. By faith. They believed God. And John says he fastened his eyes on the man in the book of Acts and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, he said unto him. It's all by faith. Salvation's by faith. The true power of God is all by faith. Our walk in Jesus Christ is by faith. The just shall live by faith. And what is faith? Faith is trusting the veracity of the one speaking. Faith is taking God and his word. Faith and God's word are completely 100% in union together. They cannot be separated. The just shall live by faith. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah. 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 Not of the will of man, man, not of the will of the flesh. Go to 322. We've got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. In heaven, we will, hey, we're going to have some preaching in heaven. It's going to be glorious full revelation of the mysteries of God God himself on his throne and preachers are going to be shouting and they won't get hoarse hallelujah it's going to be a good time hallelujah be just a giant camp meeting in the sky for all of eternity never ending glory hallelujah for the lamb for the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world Galatians 4 6 go quickly And because ye are sons, my word, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Crying, Abba.
Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? What the Colossian church was facing, and Paul was warning them of, was being kicked off into the ditch of license on one side or being pulled into the ditch of legalism on the other side. Where you live by the law. A bunch of rules that you got to follow. And that is nothing like the Christian faith. Christian faith is a walk by faith. Chapter 5 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Christ hath made us free. The Bible says that Jesus told us, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. True liberty makes you free. True liberty does not give you license to sin. It brings you into communion with God and gives you the freedom to commune with God. Jesus said, I am not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And for that, we go to Romans 8 quickly. Hold your place in Galatians. I don't know if we can go to Romans 8 quickly. We're going to give it our best shot. It deserves a thorough study. The whole word of God does. Romans 8 is one of my, is my favorite passage in the Bible. Now, in this part, this, this, at this time in my life, what God has used to loose me. To loose me from all my fleshly efforts. For over 20 years I fought tooth and nail to try and be a good Christian. And I ended on my face with my back towards God. About to deny the faith that I had once claimed. And God Almighty came down in power. And he through no merit of my own poured out his spirit upon me filled me with the Holy Ghost and that evidenced itself and manifested itself in an extreme burning desire for the Word of God and a life and a power that came out of the Word of God that I could not explain. He took me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ has fulfilled the law. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Not from any law. There's many laws here. We have to keep moving though. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For time's sake, we're not going to read on through all of Romans 8. We could read it and preach it. I don't have the strength and you don't have the time. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled. Go back to Galatians in Christ and it's fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So this life that is being described by Paul in this simple little verse. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk ye in him. Fulfills the righteousness of the whole law of God. The social law, the moral law, the dietary law, the sacrificial law. 
All of the law of God is fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In this and in this only, I can fulfill and keep the Sabbath every day of the week. I'm in my Sabbath. That's another study for another day. I can fulfill the spirit of thou shalt not kill. I can fulfill the spirit of thou shalt not commit adultery. To not even look with lust. I remember the day after God had done such a mighty work in my life. I was sitting at a big store waiting on my wife to come out. And all these people were walking in front of me. And I would glance up and notice them just like probably anybody else ever does. And all of a sudden God the Holy Ghost came down in that van with me. And he let me see what he saw me see. And it wasn't what I thought I saw. Here I would glance at these people and then in my self-righteousness I would look away thinking I wasn't lusting. And God showed me that even in those momentary glances there was lust down in my heart. That there was something ungodly down in my heart and that, and that he saw me see it. And I saw it the way God saw it. And I dropped my head on that steering wheel and I groaned before God. And I said, God be merciful to me a sinner. And this is what I'm talking about. It is a day by day, moment by moment, as God reveals to you your deep need, as God shows to you the innermost workings of your deceitful, wicked heart, you repent and you turn to God, you believe Him for forgiveness, and you believe Him for power over that sin. You call it sin, you reject it as sin, you turn from it, and you turn to God. And that, by God's grace, is what I did that day. Does that mean I've been perfect every day? No, absolutely not. But when I'm walking in the Spirit and I have repented of all known sin that God has dealt with me about through the Word, I'm not hiding anything from God. I've gotten right or tried to get right with every person that, that God has brought to my mind that I can even remember having any ought with when I'm in that condition. In God's economy, both in heaven and on earth, I am practically, according to God's judicial system and according to God's righteousness, perfect and fulfilling the righteousness of the law as long as I walk in the Spirit. As soon as I get in the flesh, I'm not being perfect and I'm not being holy. And what's the first way we usually get in the flesh? We say, God, I'm not really doing that bad. That's not really that bad of a sin. Everybody else does it, God, and there we go. Off on a trail of the flesh. We've got to keep moving. Lord, help us. So, <clears throat> um, Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. But faith which worketh by love. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then it goes on and says in verse 24, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And that flies in the face of the modern liberty doctrine that is going around everywhere that is not liberty, that is licentiousness. What we are preaching today from the word of God is true liberty in Christ. If we live in the spirit, he says, let us also walk in the spirit. And there's all kinds of practical application that bears studying in that. 
We even skipped over the fruits of the Spirit. All that needs studied out. Moving on quickly. <clears throat> Have you truly received Christ Jesus the Lord? We're wrapping this thing up. We're shutting down. Have you truly received Christ Jesus the Lord? Or did you just pray a prayer to get out of hell? Did you join a church? Did you get baptized? Or did you just meditate until you felt some kind of external peace come down over you? Maybe you did so yoga at sunrise. Maybe you got a sense of inner wellness, an inner being. Maybe you fasted. Maybe you fasted 40 days and 40 nights like Moses. Maybe you got some kind of mental affirmation, intellectual assent to the word of God and said, I think it's true, therefore it is. And your faith is not in God's word, but your faith is in your mind's ability to comprehend and reason. And you secretly down in your heart believe in God because you believe in your own mind. Maybe one of those is you today. If that's you, repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Cry out to God. Call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the asking and receive by faith the free gift of God's salvation. The imputed righteousness of Christ who died for you, was buried and rose again the third day. Have you become a son of God? Is it evident by the power of God, the wind blowing the trees? Is it evident by the leading of God in true holiness? Or are you living in sin while claiming the name of Christ who died to save you from your sins? He came to save us not from hell, from our sins, it says. Are you living in sin while you claim the name of Christ who died to save you from your sin? Are you living in law by the rules and regulations, by your understanding of what you think the do's and don'ts are in the Bible? Are you living by your willpower, by your fleshly wisdom, just trying to be a good Christian? Or are you walking in the Spirit? Dear friend and dear struggling brother and sister in Christ, whichever you may be, today is the day of salvation. And today, by, by extension, is the day of sanctification. As you have received Christ Jesus your Lord, so walk you.